0: blog Talk Radio
1: Back at it again, it's another edition of the Fantasy Football Insiders Podcast with your host Rick Saratella and the place to be here on this March twenty second, two thousand
0: fifteen. Gonna have a little bit
1: of fun today with the two thousand fifteen NFL Draft class and how it pertains to fantasy football. So all you fantasy football heads. Hop on board because the train is not going to stop for the next thirty minutes commercial free. That's just how we do it, folks. And uh, we're going to actually uh, give MyFantasyLeague.com dot com a quick pop here, uh, sponsor the show. So check out myfantasyleague dot com. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to welcome in the star of the show on the MyFantasyLeague.com dot com hotline. He is none other than Joe Everett. How you doing here this morning, Joe?
0: Amazing, Rick. It's great to be on. Uh, this is the show I look forward to because I think all the listeners—we are all the official GM of our dynasty teams in our leagues. So I mean, this is this is why we do it. It's why we love the draft, baby.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we're going to break down the prospects today. We'll talk about immediate impact rookies. We'll talk about Dynasty and Keeper League rookies. And, you know, everybody's asking me, Joe, when are you guys going to do the fantasy football podcast? When When's the fantasy podcast coming? So we're going to break it down here before the draft. And of course, you know, some of the things to watch for and look for, you know, different types of systems. And of course, you know, after the draft, depending on, you know, which players get drafted into what type of situation, you know, these rankings can completely be flipped upside down. But the fun of it and key word for today is speculation. So speculation and percolation on this Sunday morning, baby, let's get right into it and we'll kick into the quarterback position which, uh, you know, last season didn't really provide us much value in terms of fantasy football. And just to recap the 2014 rookie class, um, Derek Carr was was pretty much, you know, some, some late-round value there, maybe a backup in uh, some of your deeper fantasy football leagues. And, you know, you're looking at about 3,000 yards as the benchmark. Uh, if you base it off last year's rookie class, Joe, you know, you had Carr, Bre- Bridgewater, and Bortles all throw around that 3,000 benchmark okay so um, of course Carr had 21 touchdowns 12 interceptions Bridgewater 14 and 12 and Bortles 11 and 17 but not a whole lot of value here Johnny Manziel obviously fizzled out you know maybe Zach Mettenberger in dynasty leagues but uh, when you take a look at last year's draft class Derek Carr do you see anybody in this year's draft class Joe that could have more fantasy football value than what Carr brought a year ago
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do. I mean, I think uh, both of our two guys at the top clearly, Mariota and Winston, will outperform him. I'm I'm not as worried about Mariota's suspected uh, adaptation to the pro game and what he's supposed to be changing about this. Seven step, five step drop back. I mean, he's such a smart kid and so athletic. I have a hard time believing he's not going to work his tail off and master that transition. So, I, and plus, the team that takes him, it's got to be a day one. I personally think it's Tennessee, but we'll see. Eventually, it's going to be someone. In the first round, QB Needy, and he's going to be in there before not. I just, yeah, I think both those two guys at the top outperformed Carr, and, you know, not to take anything away from Carr, he certainly year one performed well of these guys last year. I'm still, uh, I'm a, I'm a Teddy B man myself, uh, Bridgewater branded. Uh, I think uh, long-term he's that guy from that class. But uh, as far as help from this year, Rick, I think there's two uh block solid guys that you could say, hey, I'm you know, I'll tie my chain around, I need a quarterback for the next few years. I wouldn't be afraid of a Winston or a Mariota.
1: Okay, very interesting. I'm not as high on Mariota as you are. I think he may need some time to develop. I'm not sure he even does develop into uh an starting quarterback, never mind a fantasy football quarterback, but I think that what you're gonna to start to see with the with the quarterbacks coming out, starting with this year's draft classes, I think uh more old school mentality as as how NFL teams develop quarterbacks I think you're going to see more of that you know Steve McNair type of path where you groom a guy for a couple years because I just don't see this year's quarterbacks or next year's quarterbacks uh, coming into the league and and tearing it up right away I think there's a lot of developmental quarterbacks out there but If I was to hitch my wagon on one quarterback, it would be Mr. Jameis Winston, who, I don't know, let's put a little projection, let's have a little fun, Joe, uh, you know, let's project them to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, since that's what uh, everybody seems to think here, Uh, a couple playmaker wide receivers, they drafted uh, Jenkins at the tight end position last year, so uh, some weapons to work with there in Tampa Bay, uh, give us a little projections here, what we could see a, a rookie season in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform for, for Mr. Winston. Uh, yards, touchdowns, and all that good stuff.
0: Well, I mean, like you said, with the weapons at his disposal, I mean, we got to admit, Mike Evans just cutting his teeth in the league. I think, you know, best use there yet to come. I'm not uh, projecting anything. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll give you four grand. Four grand on the yardage. Oh!
1: Okay, uh, well,
0: now four well, look, look, look at last year. Flacco in a down year is at thirty nine hundred. Uh, Ryan Tannehill uh, just eclipses four thousand, so I'll go that and uh, at least twenty four touchdowns. I think Winston is just going to okay. show up and and ball. And look, it's not the strongest division either. So uh, this it's a very good situation, like you said, to enter. Uh, the only thing you worry about in Tampa, they got to get that O line fixed. That is uh, a right. patchwork group right now. So, hopefully, maybe in the draft or some other additions of trade, maybe. But, uh, no, I'm like you said, Winston, that's definitely the guy that you feel good about because basically he's running a West Coast system right now.
1: Yeah, and you could argue that his offensive line at Florida State is better than the offensive line he'll play behind at Tampa <laughs> Bay. <laughs> you know, four, four guys up there in India at the Combine. But, uh, you know, I can see with the weapons that he has in place, if they want to unleash the beast and, and let Winston wing it and fling it, I can see 3,500 yards, 20-plus touchdowns. Uh, For me, you know, like we saw with Bridgewater last year, rookie year, uh, some of those interceptions can offset the touchdown seventeen I think this past season at Florida State, so uh, like you mentioned with the offensive line, I'm gonna have a lot less time to make those decisions as decisions as he transitions. To the NFL playbook. Uh, let's wrap it up with quarterbacks, Joe. Anybody else you want to sneak in? How about you know a developmental guy for those dynasty leagues? Everybody's trying to figure out who the number three quarterback is, not just in the NFL draft, uh, in, in fantasy football draft value as well. Uh, Bryce Petty making a strong statement this week at his pro day. Some people like the Garrett Grayson flavor. Others think Brett Hunley. Uh, could be a legitimate starting quarterback down the road. And Sean Mannion also stating a case for himself. Who's that number three guy for you?
0: Oh, I'm a Garrett Grayson, man. Uh, I like his mobility. I like the system he comes out from under McElwain at Colorado State. Uh, just the great things he did last year. Uh, just seems to be a gamer, plays hurt, tough kid. Leader, so uh, that's the guy. I just I see so many better things, than just watching those guys throw live in, in Mobile, uh, comparing Petty to Grace, and I'll I'll take Grace and uh, every day of the week, twice on Sundays, and then late round guys. Just two I wanted to bring up. Um, you're you're in super deep leagues, maybe sixteen teamers. You do multiple rounds, and nobody left. Give my boy Brandon Bridge, South Alabama, a look. Uh, six Double foot B. four and a half. Oh man. 230, he's a tall drink of water, but he's also got uh, just this great long frame, over-the-top release. I mean, right now, we're talking super developmental. He may not even touch the field for the first two years, but, I mean, you've got that deep roster, a taxi squad spot. Brandon Bridge is one of those guys um, I got my eyes on.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you never know. He winds up in a place like uh, Logan Thomas did in Arizona last year. The quarterback goes down, gets some reps. You never know uh, when he could be thrown into the mix like that. I guess for me, the guy would be Mannion. Um, I kind of compare him to almost like Lennon type of developmental quarterback prospect where, you know, he'll be taken in the middle rounds. There won't be much expectation of him. And a guy that, you know, can come in, I think, transition smoothly, Uh, as well as any of those guys that we mentioned. And who knows, maybe down the line everything clicks and he becomes a a capable starter. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't really invest too high of a dynasty league pick in in many of these quarterbacks. So there you have it for the quarterback position. going to flip it over to the running back position, uh, a position where, you know, we see probably more impact, especially in terms of fantasy football, just to put it in comparison, what kind of impact uh, rookie rushers can can make, we'll just use last year for an example, uh, Jeremy Hill was a pleasant surprise for the Bengals, rushing for uh, over 1,100 yards at five yards a clip, nine touchdowns. So I think that's a guy that was probably had in late round drafts, offered a lot of value. Um, one guy I rolled the dice on, stashed him on my bench, paid big dividends for me at the end of the season was Trey Mason. He looks like uh, a, a potential playmaker here uh, for the upcoming season. And uh, we had a couple other guys make an impact, like uh, Andre Williams. There was w- weeks where Brandon Oliver had some value, Alfred Blue filling in for uh, you know uh, the Foster there in uh, Houston. And how about Cleveland uh, with two rookie runners, Each rushing for at least 600 yards, Terrence West and Isaiah Kroll, and uh, 12 touchdowns uh, combined between the two of them. Uh, So definitely some impact here. We didn't even mention Bishop Sankey, but it looks like a bigger impact at the running back position and a stronger draft class uh, this year at the running back position. In fact, Joe, we might even have a running back in the first round.
0: (laughs) I think we could have two. Dependent on team's feeling on uh Mr. Gurley's knee, but yes, I have to agree if you're in your fantasy league, you project your first round. I definitely think uh we're talking about seven possibly eight guys that are jammed in that first amongst the wide receivers. And now that's a deep 16 teamer, maybe a 12 teamer. It's only six or five, but still it's a good group. Um, I'm seeing six guys at least that could make some noise this year, but definitely going into year two are going to be the man. It's kind of funny, like the point you were just bringing up, it's, uh, what teams tend to do with quarterbacks, it seems like they're starting to do that a little bit with running backs. Maybe I'm just a little crazy on that, but Le'Veon Bell didn't Mm -hmm. turn it on until, you know, year two. It's kind of like they need that first year to grow up a little bit. Uh, Also, you know, man up. I mean, this is a man sport. It's a physical game and you do need a good extra 20 pounds of muscle to uh, take the beating you're going to take as a number one back. So, yeah, it's uh, you almost see it out of the second year, but I, I agree, Rick, this, this class is going to make more noise in the first year than uh, the 2014 group.
1: Now, for me, you know, I'm a little bit more skeptical about Gurley than than most uh, people out there. I saw what happened to Marcus Latimer. I know uh, Adrian Peterson was a heck of a comeback story from a similar same type of injury, but not everybody's Adrian Peterson. And these type of injuries, to me, are still boom or bust. And, you know, I can understand that. Before the injury, he was the best running back in this year's draft class, but the injury scares me uh, personally. So I would actually maybe go with Gordon over Gurley and maybe not as talented, but uh, health to me is a big factor when it comes to fantasy football. What's your preference uh, in terms of Gordon versus Gurley?
0: I'm still going girly. Uh, there's just something about the kid. And like you said, not only before the injury was he the top back, I think he was one of the top players in the country, regardless of position. Uh, he just changed the game so much. He's so gifted physically and natural power as a runner. Um, I'm looking at him, too. He's just got that ability to carry a team. He's the bell cow type of back. Um, I, I compare him kind of like Eddie George. Um, but faster. He's so much more explosive. He brings it on kick returns. He's a very good receiver. So, and that's one thing I think he kind of trumps Gordon. Um, he was used as a receiver outlet. He can run the routes and get open. Whereas, I mean, Gordon's got 22 career receptions and what, how many 38 games that's going to be a bit of a worry, but that's of course, Wisconsin's system regardless, both players extremely good. I'm just, I would roll the dice on Gurley. Cause I just, see him is so special I mean uh, just I was even watching Georgia South Carolina last night folks and I'm telling you he looks like he shot out of a cannon it's unreal somebody that big should not be that fast and watching the injury fortunately wasn't as devastating as a a Latimer or a or a Pharaoh Brown tight end from Oregon last year I mean it wasn't like completely the wrong way but yeah it's definitely a worry I just think that
1: he's uh, the upside is so special you got to roll the dice. Yeah, I was watching a Georgia-Tennessee game. The same thing. I mean, the guy makes you drool. And just for the record, I put out a new mock draft just this morning. Uh, you can check it out at the Twitter handle, at NFL Draft Bible. Just for the record, I do have Gurley as the first running back off the board. Maybe a little bit later than people think, but I have Gurley going 25th to Carolina and Gordon 27th to Dallas. Um, with or without those scenarios, though, going back to last year's top performer, Jeremy Hill, uh, eleven hundred plus yards, nine touchdowns. You know, I don't know about Gurley with the injury, but I I would think that we're projecting more than that for Melvin Gordon his rookie season. I'd have to agree.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, especially you just put that thought in my head: Melvin Gordon goes to the Cowboys, back, woo, <laughs> game over <laughs> with that <laughs> offensive line. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as specific stats, I mean, I would expect Gordon, given that he was in a, a great situation, he would be able to approach a 1,000. And uh, more so than anything, Gordon's such a home run hitter uh, that uh, I would say he's going to approach those double-digit touchdowns, which is going to get the fantasy owners even more enticed because it's all about scoring putting points up on the board and uh, Gordon, I mean, as proof of Wisconsin, that's all he does. And he just, he rakes them up. So I think he and both Gurley uh, a year removed from this injury could be another thousand yard back. And once again, there's, there's two definite, I believe, impact guys year one in this class.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, just like the quarterback position, the running back position is, uh, you know, heavy up top two two top guys. And then same thing, you know, flavor of the week, for that number three running back uh, slotting, and, you know, uh, depending on what you like, some guys like T.J. Eldon from Alabama, other guys like Jay Ajayi from uh, Boise State, Tevin Coleman, your neck of the woods up in Indiana, you got Amir Abdullah at Nebraska in the mix. Uh, how about you, Joe? How do you see this next wave, the tier two, so to speak, running backs? And I might have even left a couple guys out, I'm sure. I it,
0: it is uh, the the best part about it is it may be a drop from the top two guys, but it's nice and deep. I mean, you got four talented backs that I believe are the four next consensus on a lot of people's board is just like you said, how do you shuffle them around? What is it it's a matter of preference? And uh, my preference is Duke Johnson. I'm crazy for this guy. I think he is this year's version of mm-hmm. old school, Eric Metcalf. I mean, change it on kick returns. He's going to be a beast in the receiving game. He's not going to be an every down back, but I don't think teams want him to be. I think he's going to be exactly what a Reggie Bush was to a team. He's going to be that satellite player. If he goes to the right pass heavy team in a PPR league, uh, I'm going to be all over Duke Johnson, uh, big believer of Randy Duke Johnson, and I like how he's put on weight but not lost his speed uh, last year at Miami, finally got over the 200 pound barrier and uh, did not look worse for the wear, super explosive, so he just edges these other guys out, but like like you said, for me, Rick, it's like three A, B, C, and D for these guys. I mean, I like them so much. I got Tevin Coleman right behind Duke Johnson, and I've already gone on previous episodes about how much I love Tevin Coleman. I think he's just like a DeMarco Murray clone uh, with his long strides and just deceptive speed once he gets in that open field it's uh, i think there's cornerbacks out there that will tell stories to their sons later in years about how fast tevin coleman left he left a trail of red smoke that's uh, mm-hmm. just tevin coleman he's unbelievable so that's that's my three and four
1: okay very good and uh you know we we uh didn't mention a couple other guys here i think hey you can get a running back Late round, middle round, undrafted, uh, rookie, free agent. These these guys make an impact uh, up and down the you know draft, depending on where they're taken. It doesn't really matter. And a couple guys I think that can have an impact in a rotational type of system. Uh, David Cobb of Minnesota, a guy we've spoken about before, and Cameron Artist Payne uh, from Auburn. This kid just has it. I love his patience, his vision. To me, he's like a perfect fit for uh the new england patriots i think he would crush it uh, up in new england but uh a couple guys for me and i think jeremy lankford from michigan state is a late round sleeper i think here's a guy that offers late round value um and could have a lot of upside at the next level i'll give you one more guy that's a a non-combine invite could go undrafted but somebody who could be a thousand yard rusher at the next level and, and somebody that could uh develop into a household name that I believe, uh, that's the uh, Southern Illinois kid, Malcolm uh, Agnew uh, from uh, Southern Illinois is a a guy that I think can make a big impact at the NFL level. How about you, Joe?
0: Well, I just wanted to touch on Cameron Artis Payne. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, Just a really good system back and right a good receiver, and look at that Auburn coach for running backs, Tim Horton. He did great things with Trey Mason, too. I mean, it's, uh, let, let's see who the next Auburn back is also. Just side note, yeah, a big fan of Cameron Artis Payne. And then another guy I just want to bring up before we change position, we've got to touch on David Johnson. No running back has done better for himself in the offseason than Northern Iowa's David Johnson. This guy is so explosive for a 230-pounder. Or 224 is what he was at the combine, but still running a 4.50 at 224, this guy's a beast. Uh, showed up at the Senior Bowl and on game day, no one wanted to hit him. If, in my opinion, if they had just fed the ball to him all day, the South may have won that game. But that's another story for another podcast. Uh, do not sleep on Northern Iowa's David Johnson, and don't just watch him in the tourna- tournament here for March Madness. They're good at basketball, but also good at football. David Johnson's a monster.
1: Yeah, and he's going to eat up. He's going to gobble up those yards between the tackles. Not a whole lot of wiggle to his game, but that's not what he does. So definitely a, a guy, like we said, a rotational back, two down back, uh, pounds the rock, first and second down, maybe a goal line short yardage type of runner could offer some value there with, with uh, some of those touchdowns around the goal line. Now, let's uh, work it over to wide receivers where, you know, let's be honest, that was the greatest uh, wide receiver draft class of all time. You had three. Count them three thousand yard receivers and Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Kelvin Benjamin, and uh Mr. Sammy Watkins, eighteen yards short of uh joining that company as well. And you know, again with the touchdowns, it's not too often you see uh rookie wideouts come in the league, uh Beckham and Evans, twelve touchdowns apiece, and and Kelvin Benjamin, nine touchdowns, Jordan Matthews, eight touchdowns, uh Uh, Martavius Bryant from the Steelers, eight touchdowns. I mean, guys are coming in, getting double-digit touchdowns their rookie season. And I think it's a testament not only to the wide-open style of play that we're seeing at the collegiate level, but also more teams adapting to that wide-open spread, shotgun, three, four, five wideouts, more and more teams using that. And when you spread out the field, you have more players working in open space. When you have faster, quicker, stronger players working in open space, you have a more wide-open game. And I think that's a big reason why you're seeing more and more rookies making an impact. And we didn't even talk about guys like Jarvis Landry or Josh Brown, Brandon Cooks, a talented wide receiver crop, uh, Marquis Lee, another first-round guy who should improve next season. So um, with that being said, Joe – I did the mock draft this morning. I think I got six wideouts in the first round. Another strong class. Can we come close to duplicating last year's draft class?
0: No. There's just no way. I mean, last year was (laughs) special. Unbelievably special. And as good as it was, let's do the double rewind and see how bad 2013 was. Tavon Austin. Cordero, daryl patterson justin hunter you know your only good top of the line fantasy dynasty pick was deandre hopkins and then maybe you lucked out and took robert woods later but keenan allen sure it was a good group but uh last year was just unbelievably special i don't think we're going to see it's like again for some time although like you said this class is very deep and very quality i mean it's like lots of quality um and some quantity, it's just I don't believe there's a Sammy Watkins. There is no Odell Beckham. And then I don't even think there's a Mike Evans in this class. So it's – for me, there's some good Reggie Wayne-type contributors, guys that are going to always be there but not really break the bank fantasy-wise unless they're playing with the right quarterback, Peyton Panic. But, um, yeah, I just don't see it as – duplicate it's we're going to see some impact performance just as how the pro league's changing as well as the college league but uh yeah it just cannot (laughs) get that standard of 2014
1: yeah it's going to be hard to duplicate for sure but let's break them down and dig into them again at the top seems like there's two guys everybody's talking about kevin white amari cooper almost like when uh, julio jones and aj green came out a couple years ago uh How about the wide receiver position? What's your flavor of the month for uh, the wide receiver? Who's the number one guy in terms of Dynasty League rankings at the wideout position?
0: I'm going Kevin White, but this is very close. Uh, Another 1A, 1B type. Um, I see White as just a little bit more upside, just a dash more explosiveness. After the catch, a little bit... Um, more creative, Uh, and certainly Proofy's got the legit 4-3 speed. Um, Just more of a powerful runner. I just like his combination, but nothing against Cooper. I mean, this guy is silky smooth. uh, One word in his game is just easy. He just gets that nice, easy release, and before you know it, he's 20 out and a cornerback's just eating his dust. Um, Of the top five picks I'll say about Cooper, though, in your dynasty leagues, that's safe. I feel his stock is the most stable of any of these players, and I mean, I should throw him to the Jets. Throw him wherever. I think Cooper will succeed, but I just worry about upside how good he's going to be. I mean, is he going to be that Chris Carter type, but uh, the guy who's mentoring him? I don't know. I'm still Kevin White. I just got that feeling about how much he's going to create after the catch and what system. I mean, sure, systems could change both of these guys, but Kevin White, to me, has the higher ceiling.
1: I would agree with that sentiment. And for me, you know, I look at the next crop of guys, it seems like Devontae Parker and and Jalen Strong are the next two guys for me. And, you know, with with, uh, White and Cooper possibly coming off the board very early, it's going to be intriguing there with the Vikings at number 12, with uh, Bridge, your, your guy Bridgewater already intact, if uh, if Devontae Parker will be too tempting to pass up there at number 12. But uh, Jalen Strong, to me, from Arizona State, is the kid that is kind of like last year's Beckham, where he's not getting the hype maybe as the top guys, but he's going to probably be drafted – Uh, in the middle to later rounds to a stronger maybe more contending team a team that's ready to win maybe more right away where he won't be dependent on to make you know carry the team as much I think Jalen Strong uh, you could state a strong case that maybe even having more value than Devontae Parker and then you know the mock draft I had this morning uh, Sammy Coates was also in that first-round mix, I think, to Kansas City. And then towards the end of the draft, my my first-round mock surprise, I threw in uh, Devin Smith from Ohio State just for good measure. (laughs) I just think with the same system there and them losing all the weapons, hey, we already got Cooks. Why not go with another speedy wideout? Devin Smith, I think, brings big play potential at the next level, a guy that's averaged 30 yards per catch for his career, and somebody that when he gets behind the secondary, it's just game over. I like that Saints fit because they also sent Kenny Stills packing to Miami.
0: So they need Mm -hmm. that deep threat to stretch the field. But, uh, yeah, as far as those receivers, I wanted to hit on Jalen Strong, Rick, I agree. Year one, he's going to make some noise just because of how physical he is and how well he excels in those jump ball situations. He just wins when he high points. And uh, sure, his, some of his situations are going to be contested, but with that vertical leap and uh, long lean frame, uh, yeah, Jalen Strong's another one of those guys, might make a similar impact to a Kelvin Benjamin. I think, as far as touchdowns, winning in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. You know, fantasy owners, we, we want that. End of round one, I mean, that's 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 your guy. Um, as far as other wide receivers, I, I think some forgotten names. What about Nelson Aguilar? I, I like this kid. He comes from a post scheme, you know, ran a four-four-two at the Combine. Uh, kind of a Marquise Lee clone. Some might say a little more explosive, but uh, I, I think that's a guy – very pro ready, get him in the right scheme. Uh, Not only is he going to make an impact earlier than some, because uh, he'll be ahead of that learning curve, but long-term potential. I'm a big fan of Nelson Aguilar. I think he's kind of getting forgotten about. And then also, Tyler Lockett, those NFL bloodlines, you know, we talk about fantasy. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. I think we all know Tyler Lockett is destined for a slot role on a pass-heavy team, and he's going to do that role to a T with his four four speed and quicks in and out. of field. He's a special teams demon, too. Uh, Tyler Lockett's a guy just uh, – that's another guy on draft day. It's going to be hard. I, I, I've perceived some dynasty fights in my leagues over Mr. Lockett.
1: Yeah, you see, you know, throw Lockett in the mix with, to the Broncos in, in the or, you know middle rounds, and uh, he could light it up, 70 catches year one. And there's a bunch of guys. I mean, guys we haven't talked about that could even be in first round consideration. Uh, you talk about Dorial Green Beckham Just the raw talent there Rashad Green from Florida State uh, A guy that I think is undervalued And you talk about immediate impact I think he's one of the more polished route runners In this year's draft so he's a guy That can make an immediate impact And how about Rashad Perryman You know, the, One of the most anticipated Pro days uh, uh Central Florida <laughs> Coming up everybody wants to see what he can do And uh, Devin Funches from Michigan Helping out his draft stock this past week With his pro day workout but there's a guy over there uh, there's a couple guys at Georgia Tech but man there's this is one guy I know you like him too Darren Waller Joe I mean I just can't get over the the measurables on this kid and then when you turn on the film and watch him play why isn't he getting more hype I mean he's he might be the closest thing to come out of the draft since Calvin Johnson he's talking about six foot six 240 pounds and four four six with a 37 inch vertical 10 foot five broad jump I can go on for days about this kid
0: it's just location, ball location, I think it is, um, getting his head around on some of those deeper routes. Uh, there's something – I think it's concentration lapses because a lot of the you know just games we watch, even in the uh, – I think it was the Shrine game he was in, just could not get his fingertips on that. More of a body catcher, and I think that's Waller's problem. I mean, body beautiful, no question. He is Calvin Johnson's stunt double. Uh, he could get in that movie, but until it's actually game time, I think that's his problem. It's just he's one of those guys who's going to be that late round uh, guy that works with a wide receivers coach, gets his game up, and people say, "How did he fall so late? What happened here?" It's, well, people weren't nuts about the actual games, but he is. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, certainly a high ceiling with him as well.
1: All right, just a couple other guys to throw out there who could make an impact. Uh, Philip Dorsett from Miami. We talked about Devin Smith. He's another one of those speed burner type of guys. Uh, also, you got to like what uh, Kenny Bell brings to the table in terms of his overall game. Jamison Crowder is another guy that's had a strong draft season and. Uh, one last sleeper for me, Joe, is the uh, Michigan State kid who we've, we've talked about in the past. Tony Lippett, I think, is one of those guys that people aren't really talking about that, that can make a little bit of noise. So, uh, anybody else at the wideout position that you got for us? Don't, uh, don't forget about Stefan Diggs. Maryland
0: guy arrived at Maryland as yes. one of the highest-touted high school players. And I I wouldn't say disappointed, it just kind of did his thing, but athletically, um, a Clearly a specimen, so you want to watch where he goes because I think that's a guy that could do it all: play outside, play inside, and then, hey, the NCAA career record holder for receptions, Justin Hardy at East Carolina. Uh, Almost, I think he did set the record for the three cone at the combine, but (laughs) as far as that year, but four five three is, I think, or four five six is respectable for him. He's another guy destined for the slot. He's not going to play outside, but he's going to do that role really well. Uh, Just possession. Finding holes in zones. That's what Hardy does. He's just a smart, heady player who won't quit. He may be cut five times. He won't quit. He'll sneak into the building. He just will not give up. And then uh, Chris Conley, that Georgia kid who lit it up at the combine, cannot help him. The biggest oh, yeah. combine, Jamarcus Nelson, UAB. Uh, this could be the John Brown of this class, Rick. I mean, that 4:28 2 8 speed, uh, then look at his stats, man. Four kickoffs taken back for touchdowns, almost averaging 40 yards a clip per return. So uh, he's going to mess it up as special teams for you guys to count that in your fantasy leagues, but also uh, just a very fast guy that I believe can survive on the outside because of that Mike Wallace-esque speed that uh, nelson
1: got. All right, there you have it, never leaving a stone unturned. And uh, real quick here, Joe, tight ends, not really a whole lot to talk about. Uh, similar to last year where not many high-impact guys. You take a look at Jason Marrow from the Jets, 38-345, and a pair of touchdowns. That was pretty much the biggest impact any tight ends had. Uh, Eric Ebron probably going to step his game up this year. We talked about Austin, uh, Austin Seferin Jenkins in Tampa Bay. is going to probably – uh, be, be the starting tight end there. Crackett Gilmore is a guy that I like as a uh, long-term sleeper in Baltimore, a guy that could maybe develop down the road, but let's talk about this year's draft class and what we see here. Um, a lot of people think that you know, there, if there's any first-round tight end, it would be Max Williams from Minnesota. Uh, what's your take on this year's draft class?
0: Totally agree on Max Williams. It's, uh, it's him, and then I think there's a, a significant drop-off uh, at least a round's worth of drop-off. Maybe maybe Clive Walford from Miami sneaks in there, but I don't see him as a traditional tight end, like m- more of a wide, uh, to where Williams is the actual two-way tight end. He can block. He's made splash plays. Uh, he can create, after the catch, uh, NFL bloodlines. So I think uh, Max Williams, as far as the stock of a player, very steady, and that's the guy it's, I, I think, Teams with that tight end need towards the end of the first have got to be thinking about it. And if they're not, then they better make some other plans because he'll go high in the second. There's no doubt. Uh, That guy's a player. And as far as fantasy, I think clearly will make a bigger impact than anybody from last year. Because, I mean, Jason Morrow, kind of like Walford or, you know, just, just that guy that's a glorified wide receiver, faux tight end, if you will, to where Williams, real deal.
1: Yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about here. I'll give you a small school sleeper, maybe Nick Boyle from Delaware, a guy that has uh, the physical traits to develop into a, a, you know, he's actually a pretty good blocker, but he could be an H-back, line up in the backfield, play all kinds of different roles. Jesse James from Penn State I think has great athleticism and hands to be a pass catching, you know, maybe some kind of fantasy football value down the road. But the guy I'm going to go with, uh, if anybody, uh, McCoyle Pruitt, Southern Illinois, uh, there's that Saluki again, but you know, similar to Charles Clay, uh, undersized for the tight end position, but I think a chess piece, as you mentioned earlier, I, I like that term from McCoil Pruitt. Just a guy, I think you can line up on on different uh, roles or different uh, types of you know scenarios all over the field, and and just create ways to get him the ball. And I think he's a guy that can have 40, 50 catches a year in the right system. Yeah,
0: and it just he's so system versatile that he's going to make an impact with that explosiveness. Yeah, big fan of Pruitt. And uh, as far as guys outside of it, I totally agree on Boyle. That guy is a block in Jesse. I mean, you could hear him block at the Senior Bowl. I would not tangle <laughs> with Nick Boyle. But my uh, sleeper, I'd, I'd say South Carolina, Rory Anderson, this guy's long lane. He really wins jump balls. He can get upfield. He can find the holes. Uh, I like what he does. And uh that uh, South Carolina once again, I'll admit, you know, fair's sake, I watched the game last night, so <laughs> it's wow, Rory <we're> <laughs> <laughs> um, But he is really gonna take advantage of what I think is a weak tight end class. So that's definitely a guy that I don't think anybody's really making too much noise about and then if we mention tight ends, uh, I got to talk about Nick O'Leary. Love the kid. I think great ball skills. Not too much of an athlete, but just more of a gamer. He's gonna show up on game day, make some plays. Uh, he just another guy understands how to find the holes in coverage. He's a quarterback's best friend. Just ask Jameis Winston last year. He leaned hard on him. Probably their most explosive outside of Green in their passing game. Uh, O'Leary was uh, just crucial for the Seminoles last year. And then, yeah, we got to mention. Tyler Croft, too. I mean, good pro day there for the Rutgers feller at night, and that's of what is a weak tight end class. There's at least a few guys that, you know, could make some noise. But once again, it's kind of – we're waiting for that great tight end class. I'm I'm waiting when it's going to come.
1: Yeah, one of these years, yeah, one of these years. And since you mentioned Croft, uh, you know, uh, uh, listen, he, he led the team in receiving two years ago. This past year he was asked to do a whole lot more inline blocking, but this kid – He's Kevin Boss, I think, is the uh, pro comparison I see with Tyler Croft at the next level. But he has a little bit, a little bit, very little bit of Jeremy Shockey in him, just the way that he's willing to run after the ball. And I like his size, 6 foot five, two 250 pounds, ran a 4.68 at the pro that I was there. Um, has it. He has it. So it depends on what kind of scheme he'll be in. And Ben Koyak, you can't overlook the Notre Dame kids. Um, Similar to John Carlson, as terms of he can catch, he can block solid guy I don't think they used him enough in the past catching game but he's made some incredible catches I mean I've seen this kid make diving catches uh one-handed catches uh catches in the back of the end zone so Ben Koyak I think is that kind of sleeper guy that uh Michael Rivera type of guy that can make some noise in the red zone and you know that's gonna about wrap it up for another jam-packed edition 40 minutes of commercial free NFL draft fantasy football primer edition uh, that's just how we do it here, folks. Fantasy Football Insiders, you know, real quick, just an announcement here. Uh, we'll be shifting our home from Blog Talk Radio to a new radio platform. We're, we're already discussing uh, the transfer. So if you do follow us here on Blog Talk Radio, Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible so that when we make that announcement, you can make that transition over seamlessly. And uh, there's a dirty rumor, I don't know who started it, that Fantasy Football Insiders could be coming back for the 2015 NFL season every Sunday morning. So that'll be an announcement you don't want to miss. And uh, I don't know about you, Joe. Time always goes by too fast when I'm talking to you, but uh, definitely a fun episode. Talk a little bit fantasy football, talk a little bit NFL draft, got the best of all worlds every, over here. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. The uh, platform is yours for any last parting shots.
0: I just had a blast. And yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, Follow at NFL Draft Bible at Joe W. Everett um, on Twitter. Just help, help get those radio announcements out there, too. And, yeah, just keep adjusting the big board. The Dynasty Drafts are coming, folks. So we're going to be keeping it cranking here. So I'd say just keep it tuned in.
1: Can't stop, won't stop. 37 days to the NFL Draft. Till the next time, everybody, that's Joe Everett. I'm Rick Saratella. Catch you next time.